Good morning. I stand before you today to remind you of something very, very important. And it far outweighs anything that's going on in the world right now. Jesus is still Lord. He is still Lord. It doesn't matter how crazy or how ridiculous this world gets. And let's face it, 2020 has been a pretty crazy year, hasn't it? But Jesus is still Lord. He is. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Now, if in your spirit you heard a resounding, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord, that means that your faith tank is probably pretty full. But maybe you didn't hear a yes very clearly at all. Something in you wants to say, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord. But you're torn. You're torn. You're torn between saying yes and all that's going on in your life right now. Now you might be thinking, if he's Lord, then why am I having to deal with this? Why do I feel this way? Whatever this is for you. That means your faith tank is somewhere probably in between being full and being empty. Could be right in the middle. Or perhaps you didn't hear anything at all inside you when I asked, do you really believe that Jesus is Lord? Perhaps you're here today and you question everything. You might be asking, if Jesus is Lord, then why does evil seem to prevail? And what faith you think you have is really only based on your circumstances. It's based on only what you can see. That might mean that your faith tank is on empty. So today I'm going to talk to you about how to be faithful. How to be faithful. I'm going to talk to you about the finishing work of your faith. And you know, Friday night I was taking my son to swim practice. I was sitting at the light just right outside the university. It was a red light. And I noticed this ding, looked down, and my fuel light was low. And something hit me. I was like, you know, I can use that. (laughs) Since I'm preaching on Sunday, I can use that. (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool if when your faith got low, that you'd see this light go off in front of your eyes and said, your faith is low, right? Ding, my faith is low. And then all you'd have to do is take your Bible and go, loading. And then suddenly I go, your faith is now full. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, that'd be awesome. How many of you want your faith tank to be full? Yeah. I want everyone to be faithful. I do. Now listen, your feelings, your circumstances, and what you can or can't see, don't dictate the truth that Jesus is still Lord. No matter what's going on, no matter what happens in this life, whether you believe it or not, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus is still Lord. This is critically important because one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it will all be to the glory of God the Father. This isn't something that might happen. No, this will happen. 
Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not some people, not just Christians, everyone. Even Satan and all of his minions will one day bow and confess. Now listen, you will either submit now, willingly, or one day you may submit unwillingly. But either way, you will submit. Everyone will bow and everyone will confess. That means every leader, everyone in government, everyone in Hollywood, every child molester, every criminal, every rich man, every rich woman. Everyone will bow and every knee will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you're here today and you have not made that decision to follow Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of your life, listen, today is that day. Today is that day. Don't leave here today without making that decision. Choose today whom you will serve. It's a decision that will affect your life for all eternity. We're in the last days. You guys believe that? We're in the last days, and there's not much time left on this earth. So listen to me. Stop being so preoccupied by the things of this world. Because the more you fill yourself with what's going on in the world, the more you'll feel any sense of hope being sucked right out of you. If your hope is in an end to this COVID-19 stuff, this craziness that we're seeing right now, and a return to normal, let me tell you, your hope is not in the right place. If your hope is in who becomes the next president, I'm sorry, but your hope is not in the right place. Our hope must be in Jesus Christ. For he is our only hope. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. So lift your eyes off of everything that's going on right now and focus on Jesus. As you know, we're in our fourth week in our study through 1 Peter. And we've titled the series, Hope in Suffering. And each week we've been reading through Romans 15, 13. And this is to do this to remind us of where our hope comes from. So I'm going to do that today. I'm going to read from Romans 15, 13. This is kind of our verse for the entire series. Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is so good. You ought to memorize that scripture. That is good. God is our source of hope. He is our source. Not the world, not our country, certainly not our government, not our circumstances, nor even what we can see. God is our source of hope. I don't know about you, but I need some joy and peace today. Who needs some joy and peace today? Yeah, yes, I need some joy. My prayer today is that the Holy Spirit will speak directly to your life. Whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're struggling with, may the Lord speak directly to you and may he fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we invite you here. We invite you here, Lord. Fill us with your presence. 
Lord, calm whatever storm's going on in our lives, whatever's going on in our hearts, that we may focus on you because we know you are Lord. So we listen today to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you've got them with you, to our main text today. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to go through verses 8 through 12. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to take you through a flyby of this text, okay? We're just going to fly right through it. Then I'm going to come back. I'll land a little bit on a few verses, and we'll talk about them together, okay? So if it sounds like I'm going quick, it's because you're getting a flyby. (laughs) You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. For you are receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. And this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It's all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. So we're going to spend the majority of our time together right here in the first two verses of this text, in verses 8 and 9. Listen, I know without a shadow of a doubt, our enemy doesn't want you to hear this message today. I know this because it's been a huge battle for me in putting it together. I felt like I had nothing to go on for days and days I encountered distractions and roadblocks and uncertainty and frustration. I even had some physical problems. It's been a journey for me. But I'm here now, and God is faithful. His word says he is full of unending love and faithfulness. And that if we will just trust him with all of our heart and not depend on our own understanding and to seek his will in all we will do, he will show us which path to take. You ever wondered what direction to go in? You ever wondered which path to take? Man, trust Jesus and he will show you. I can't tell you how many times he's done exactly that in my life. He has always been faithful. Always. We're the ones who lack faith at times. So let me ask you, how is your faith today? Is your faith tank full? It's only when we're faithful that we can truly experience a rich and rewarding relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here in verse 8, Peter is speaking to Christians when he says this. He says, you love him, meaning Jesus, even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. He's talking to those of us who already have a relationship with Jesus. Notice I said relationship. As Christians, we follow Jesus through relationship. We don't follow him through religion. This is an incredibly huge difference. It's a I have to versus I want to mentality. With religion, you do things out of obligation. With relationship, you do things out of love. So listen to me. God doesn't love you for what you can do for him. He loves you because who he is. God is love. It's not what he does. It's who he is. Trust me when I say this. The more you get to know him, the more you will love him. 
So how do you get to know them? It's the same way that you get to know anyone in a relationship, right? You spend time with them. You cannot know Jesus without knowing his word. That's your first blank if you've got your hand out. Knowing. You cannot know Jesus without knowing his word. The word of God reveals the very character of God. And one of the things that you'll discover is that it is impossible to please God without faith. No faith, no favor. How many of you want his favor today? Yeah, it takes faith to have his favor. That's what it comes down to. No faith, no favor. As Christians, we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. So what is faith? Let's start there. How do we define faith? So the Bible defines faith in Hebrews 11.1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So if I were to boil all that down to its most basic definition, faith is simply being sure of what we hope for, even though we can't see it. All right? Now let me be a bit more specific. Let me give you a more specific definition of faith. Faith is the assurance. It's the confidence. It's the certainty. Right? It's the conviction in the one and only true God, even though you cannot see him. That's a more specific definition of faith. As Christians, we love Jesus even though we cannot see him. And that's exactly what Peter is conveying to us here in our text. He says you love him even though you've never seen him. Even though we cannot see Jesus with our physical eyes, the Holy Spirit empowers us to see Jesus with the eyes of our hearts. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1.18 that the eyes of the hearts are enlightened so that we can understand the confident hope that the Lord has given us in him. Our inability to see Jesus physically makes our trust in him even that much more assured. That's exactly why Jesus says in John 20, verse 29, he said, Blessed are those who believe in me without seeing me. We don't need any further proof than what we already have in the word of God and the testimony of those who believe. Don't be naive into thinking that if Jesus were here right now and you could see him face to face, that you'd believe in him. Because many people in the days of Jesus who did see him didn't believe in him. The religious elite of Jesus' day are perfect examples of this. Pharisees, the Sadducees, right? They saw him face to face. They totally missed the Messiah that they had been waiting so long for. Oh, they knew the Old Testament scriptures. They knew the word of God backwards and forwards. But they pursued religion instead of a relationship. Tragically, the same thing happens today. People miss Jesus because they have no relationship. Don't let that be you. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, 8, that everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. To know Jesus, you must be faithful. And that only comes through a relationship with Jesus. Now, this is a pretty famous text. You guys have seen this before. The Apostle Paul, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. 
Faith, along with grace, are gifts from God. You can't just manufacture faith on your own. It's a gift from God. So how do we cultivate this gift? How do we grow our faith? How do we stay faithful? The answer is in our text. It's in the second half of verse 8, where Peter says, Though you do not see him, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. To trust in Jesus, it means we give ourselves completely to him. We place our confidence in him and in his word. To trust him means we believe all that he said and we accept his word as true. And the more we trust him, the more we will obey him. And the more faithful we will be. Our obedience is the evidence of our faithfulness. It's also the evidence of our love for him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. We don't love by obeying. We obey through loving. Let me say that another way. We don't obey because we have to. We obey because we want to. You see, that's the difference between religion and relationship. It's a I have to versus I want to. And this is yet another key to being faithful. You know, when my family and I were living in Florida a few years ago, I wondered if we would ever be able to make it back here to Montana. A job is what took us away from Montana. And so I thought naturally it would be a job that would bring us back to Montana. But one day as I was feeling this pull of this this urge to want to get here back to Montana, I had all these things going on in my head. I was like, okay, what about the job, Lord? How am I going to move my family? How am I going to sell my house? All those details were running, running through my head. And God really got my attention. It's one of the few times in my life that I actually heard him so clearly. And this is what he said. He said, do you trust me or not? It was almost as if Jesus himself were standing right in front of me and he put his finger in my chest and looked me in the eyes and he said, do you trust me or not? That's how I felt anyway. Fortunately, this was one of the few times that I didn't back down. I didn't shy away from the challenge to trust him. Now, before you look up here and see the halo around my head and think that I'm perfect, let me just tell you that there have been plenty of times in my life that I've done the complete opposite. I've done what I wanted to do. I've, done, I've insisted on my own way. How many of you have done that? How does that end? How does that usually work out for you? It doesn't usually work out too well when you're following your own way. I've done that plenty of times. So I resigned my position at Florida State University. It was the most fulfilling and most amazing job I had ever had. People thought I was crazy. They were like, how could you leave your job and move back to Montana without a plan? Let me tell you, sometimes you don't need to have a plan. You don't need to have it all figured out. You don't need to know every single step of what's going to happen. Sometimes we just need to be faithful to wherever God leads and whatever he asks us to do, one step at a time. I'm here today because I took a step of faith. Now, at the time, let me be honest, it was more like a giant leap over the Grand Canyon. That's what it felt like. Now, listen, trusting Jesus 
keeping our eyes fixed on him, is how we stay faithful. Now listen, I know not everything works out the way we want, does it? We can go through some pretty difficult times. On Wednesday of this week, 16 people that I work with lost their jobs. That represents about 15% of the total employees for the company that I work for. It was a huge shock. One of my colleagues has been with the company nearly 40 years. Another of my colleagues, all of his team were let go. And his wife was also let go. She works for a different team, same company. So I imagine for some of these people that it was a major crisis in faith for them. So what do we do when we face the unexpected? What do we do when we experience a major crisis in life? You know, there's no easy answer here. But I can tell you this. We have to look to Jesus. Hebrews 12.2 says that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. To stay faithful, we must keep our eyes and our lives centered and focused on him, no matter what happens. There's nothing too big for him and there's nothing too small for him either. He's never surprised by anything that happens to us. Now, sometimes, let's face it, we're responsible for creating our own crisis just by some of the stupid decisions that we make, right? Yeah, sometimes it's our fault. Now, other times, it's not our decisions at all. It's just what happens to us. But either way, God uses all of our circumstances to bring about his will. Pastor Bruce talked last week about why we go through trials and how God uses them to strengthen our faith and how trials show our need to depend on him. It all comes back to Jesus as Lord. He is the author of our faith. He is the finisher of our faith. And this is what Peter means here in verse 9 of our text when he says this. He says, For you are receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now this is a bit tough to understand, so let me help you. When he says we are receiving, this could literally be translated that we are presently receiving for ourselves. So on one hand, We as Christians now possess the result of our faith, right? And that's believing in Jesus for what he did on the cross, paying our sin debt. And we have, there is therefore now no condemnation for us, right? We have that right now if we've accepted Jesus. We are forgiven of our sins. We will not ever be judged for that going forward because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then on the other hand, we are waiting to receive the full salvation that the Lord has planned for us, that he's promised us. It's an eternal glory. It's where, we get the, it's where our bodies are redeemed. How many are ready for that? <laughs> Me, I'm ready. Anytime, Lord. <laughs> yes. And we receive all of this, right, by His grace through our faith. So we look to Him in all things, and we look to Him in all circumstances. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Everything you see is temporary. It's all passing away. 
And you can't take any of it with you. But what you can, you cannot see, it's eternal. That's the end of our faith. That's the salvation of our souls. That's what we're all looking forward to. That's the day we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yes. Yes, Jesus, come. It's going to be more amazing and more wonderful than we could ever imagine. The salvation of our souls that we will one day receive is so glorious, in fact, that even the prophets who saw this coming, who talked about this coming, they wanted to know more about it. How do I know that? It comes right from our text. It says this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this glorious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever, and that includes you, believes in Him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. Jesus willingly laid down His life and He shed His blood on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could have eternal life in Him. For we've all sinned. Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death. That's where it, sin ultimately leads, is death. We're talking about spiritual death. But the gift that God gives us in His Son, Jesus Christ, through our faith, is what saves us. Now that is the good news we're talking about. Let me tell you, that's some good news, isn't it? Come on, that's some good news, isn't it? Now, even the angels are amazed at this. You can see this in the bottom of our text. It says, it is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Now, listen, angels don't have what we have. Jesus didn't come to this earth to die for them. They're not reborn into a living hope like we are. Only we as humans have that opportunity. Only we have that choice. And it's a choice of eternal consequences. You can choose life by following Jesus and receive the salvation of your soul, or you can choose death and end up in hell, separated from God forever, for all eternity. Keeping our eyes on Jesus and the end of our faith is what keeps everything in perspective. And to be faithful, we have to have perspective. We have to have perspective. Jesus is Lord. That means he's over everything, everything in this world. When we keep our eyes fixed on him, we have perspective. Perspective is the way we look at things. It's our frame of reference. It's our point of view. Adrian Rogers says it like this. He says, wisdom is looking at life from God's point of view. To have perspective, you've got to see it from God's point of view. It can be so easy to get distracted by the busyness of life or the trials that you go through. But it's imperative that we have perspective. We will go through trials. We will go through trials, all of us. It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. Jesus tells us this 
in John 16, 33, he says, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He's overcome it all. And he can handle anything that you might face. But you have to look to him. That's how you have perspective. And that's how you can be faithful. Now, the Apostle Paul, he says this in 1 Corinthians 4, 8. If you hadn't been leaning in on anything, lean in on this. Here we go. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Who has ever felt pressed on every side? Yeah. Who's ever felt perplexed? Who's ever felt persecuted? You ever felt like you've been knocked down? Yeah. Now I want you to look at Paul's words one more time and notice all the buts in here. We are not crushed. We're not driven to despair. We're never abandoned by God and we are not destroyed. Do you see it? That's how you have perspective. Do you see it? The second way to be faithful is to embrace perseverance. Embrace perseverance. Now, as I was preparing for this message, my son was learning some remarkable things in his Bible class. And as many of you might know, my wife uh, homeschools our son, and he attends Liberty University Online Academy. And one of his assignments this past week was reading through a book from the library of the Theological Seminary in Princeton, New Jersey. The book is called Heroes of the Early Church, and it was first published in 1889. This is from his seventh grade Bible class. Why in the world are not all of our youth in all of our schools exposed to this kind of history? That's a question for another time and another day. But my wife told me, honey, you really need to read this. So I did. And I'm going to share just a couple of quick stories from this book to show you how some of the heroes from the early church embraced perseverance. This is important. You've heard Pastor Bruce say many times that we live here in Disneyland. And we do. Because America really has no idea what real persecution is like. The Apostle Paul, he called Clement of Rome his co-laborer and fellow soldier in Philippians chapter 3. Some of you might remember this from our previous study when we were going through the book of Philippians. But uh, Paul called him his co-laborer and fellow soldier. And Clement was one of the successors to the Apostle Peter. Tradition says that Clement was always trying to influence those around him so that they would come to follow Jesus and make him their Savior. And like so many in the people in the early church, Clement didn't escape persecution. He was thrown into prison. And there he was given a choice. Sacrifice to idols or be banished. And of course, Clement wasn't going to sacrifice to idols, no way. So he was banished from Rome. And listen to this. He had to work in a forced labor camp in a mine. And what they did is they beat him, they chained him, they shaved half his head, they poked out his right eye, and then they disabled his left leg. And if that wasn't enough, then they put some disgraceful marks on his forehead. He was always cold because they made him work in the mine naked. 
So what did he do? He started a church. After work each day, he would preach the gospel. And eventually people from the surrounding countryside all started to attend and a ton of people got saved. And all the ungodly temples in the area, all those Satan worshipers and everybody else, they all emptied out of the temples and all the people started coming to hear Clement. And so you can imagine the emperor didn't like that very much. So he chose to make an example of Clement. And he gave him a choice. Renounce your religion or die. And of course, Clement would never turn his back on Jesus. So he chose death. He embraced perseverance. Nothing would stop him from sharing Jesus. And he did it all the way to the end of his faith. Could you do that? Could you be faithful even though you're being persecuted by those who are faithless? We must embrace perseverance. Now, another hero from the early church is Polycarp of Smyrna. Who's heard of Polycarp? Oh, man, I'm surprised. A lot of people have. Polycarp uh, could have been, very well could have been, I read this in my study, when in Revelation chapter 3, where you see the message is sent to the church at Smyrna, and it says to the angel of the church at Smyrna, angel, another word for that's messenger, that could have also been the leader of the church at Smyrna at the time, who was Polycarp. So what's interesting about that is, is Smyrna was only one of two churches that Jesus didn't lamblast in Revelation. Right, Because you go in there and you can see what he said about the church at Laodicea, right? I'll spit you out of my mouth, all of that. This church at Smyrna, he didn't, he didn't get come down on. That, this is the one Polycarp was the head of. Now, Polycarp was born in poverty. And uh, as a child, he was sold into slavery. And he became a disciple of the Apostle John eventually. And then John put him in charge of the church at Smyrna. So he went from slave to being pastor, leader. And like Clement, he was also thrown into prison and he was given a choice. Sound familiar? And that choice was renounce Christianity or give allegiance to the gods of Rome. Now, Polycarp, he simply said this. He said, I have served my blessed Savior for 86 years. He has done nothing but bless me all the time. How can I forsake him now? So he was sentenced to die by being burned at the stake. And when the soldiers were about to nail him to the stake, because that's what you did back then, you would nail a person to the stake so they couldn't move or run away or any of that. And Polycarp said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't nail me to the stake. I'll just stand here because my God will keep me and allow me to endure this. So that's what he did. He stood there, right? And just before they were about to burn him, this is his last prayer. These were his last words. This is what he said. He said, Lord God Almighty, the Father of thy well-beloved Son, Jesus Christ, by whom we receive the knowledge of thee, the God of angels and of all creatures. I bless thee, and thou hast graciously brought me to this day and hour, that I may receive a portion among the number of thy martyrs and drink of Christ's cup. Wherefore, I praise thee for all thy mercies. I bless thee and glorify thee through thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, through whom to thee and the Holy Ghost be both now and forever. Amen. These were his last words. And then the soldiers, they kindled the fire. And as the flames rose, the flames, tradition says, that they didn't engulf Polycarp. They actually went around him in an arch. So he didn't burn. So the officer in charge told one of the soldiers to take a spear and jab it in the side of Polycarp. And that's how he ended up dying. Polycarp embraced 
perseverance. And he received the end of his faith, the salvation of his soul. There are so many heroes like that in our history. Those who embrace perseverance and remain faithful no matter the cost. Could you do that? The third way to be faithful is to trust his promises. Stand on the word of God. Jesus is trustworthy. He died for you, so live for him. The power to overcome is in his promises. And just because you haven't seen what you've been praying for happen, in other words, you've been waiting a long time, that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Watch this in Deuteronomy. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Two things I want you to see here. He keeps his covenant. In other words, he keeps his promises. And who does he lavish love on Those who love him and what? Obey him. Obedience is really important. Watch this. Numbers. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Well, the answer to that is obviously no. If God says it, it's going to happen. And last one here in Joshua. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Everything he says will happen. I could give you example after example in the Bible of God making good on his promises. You've got to know his word so you can trust his promises. No matter what's going on in your life, Jesus is still Lord. And he desires a relationship with you. Don't settle for religion. Choose a relationship with Jesus. He is our source of hope. He is the author and finisher of our faith. And to be faithful, you've got to have perspective. You've got to look at things from God's point of view. We need to embrace perseverance. In other words, we strive all the way to the end of our faith no matter what happens. And we trust in His promises. Let's pray. Yes, sir. You bet we can. Father, we thank you that you are a mighty God. And even though we are sometimes in situations that we don't expect, like these 16 people that got laid off the other day, we know that our hope ultimately comes from you. So I pray, Father, that you would fill those 16 people and their families with hope, that you would comfort them, that you'd line up the next job for them, you would provide for them, Lord, and that they would see that you are trustworthy. Be with them during this storm that they're in right now, this crisis that they're going through. Some of you may have things going on in your life right now, and you need Jesus to show up in your life. If that's you, raise your hand. you got something going on. I want to pray for you. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. A lot of hands. So, Lord God, I pray for everyone who lifted their hand that has something going on in their life right now, that you would make yourself known to them, that you would come into their life and just redeem them, help them through this situation that they're in, that they can keep their eyes fixed on you and find the hope that they need to sustain and to trust in your promises because you are trustworthy.
Others of you may be here today and you may not have that relationship with Jesus like you'd like to have. You realize today, hey, I need him because I know that my days are short on this earth. And if I don't accept him as Lord and Savior, my eternity is not going to work out too well. And if that's you, you want to have that relationship with Jesus, just slip up your hand and I will pray for you. Anyone want to say, yes, I want Jesus to be, thank you. Anyone else want to make Jesus, my Lord, thank you, our Lord and Savior today. Let's pray for those that have lifted their hands. Just repeat this after me if that's you. Father God, I love you. I realize that I'm a sinner and you have got to be my Savior. I can't do this on my own. I need you. And I pray right now that you would come into my life, forgive me for my sins. I trust and believe what you did on the cross, that you were the Son of God, that you laid down your life for me. And I want to live for, for you from this day forward. And if that's you, welcome to the family of God. Amen. Amen. So if you'll stand and we'll sing our closing song.